0: OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.
1: I'm Stacy Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Tuesday, August 16th. July. Allegations surfaced that some North Koreans were plagiarizing online resumes to try to trick companies, including crypto companies, into hiring them. It was all part of a broader effort to raise money for North Korea's government weapons program and an attempt to help the authoritarian nation evade global sanctions. But how did North Korea get so good at tricking crypto employers? And what does all of this mean for the security of these companies?
2: This is geopolitics and there's a lot of ugliness to this, but some of these tactics are really innovative. I mean, they're very impressive.
1: Bloomberg reporter Jeff Stone joins me today to explain. Jeff, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So what is it you do at Bloomberg?
2: I write about cybersecurity, which is a busy task. It's a collision of crime and espionage and business and money and theft. It's endlessly fascinating.
1: That sounds fun. You've been writing a lot about North Korean hackers. Right. What are North Korean hackers up to in crypto?
2: They are similarly busy in (laughs) crypto, according to the United States, that is. North Korean hackers increasingly are focusing on on cryptocurrency services as a means of generating money um, on behalf of the government of Kim Jong-un, according to the U.S. government, that is, and um, independent cybersecurity researchers. That means they are looking at everything from hacking exchanges. They're also impersonating people. They are sending fake job listings and pretending to be people who they aren't in order to get uh, as much information as they possibly can about the world of virtual currency. So
1: I'm a North Korean hacker. I look up somebody's LinkedIn profile. That person seems like they have a fancy job at a fancy crypto company. I steal some of their credentials. I present them as my own. I try to interview at name and exchange. In the process of that interview, what am I doing? I'm trying to get information out of them. It's kind of like, you know, spying or is it something else? You're
2: doing two things, I think. You are trying to get as much information as you possibly can from the person that you're speaking with because that just might help you if you don't get the job. Mm -hmm. You also are trying to get the job. Mm -hmm. Um, According to the researchers that we have spoken with, they have observed freelance contractors, if you will secure employment at some of these services. We don't know which services, candidly, but um, if they are involved in some of these bridge projects, for instance, Mm -hmm. or the future of Ethereum, that gives them not only a salary, which according to one recent U.S. government alert could be as much as $300,000. Crypto pays. Crypto pays. It also also does bring the espionage angle, as you just alluded to. Like, yeah, we can kind of share this information in our country and use this to kind of get around some of these sanctions.
1: Right. So I'm not only interviewing because I want to get stuff out of my interview. I'm interviewing because, as you say, I'm actually trying to work there and find even more stuff out.
2: Right. And if you don't get the job or if you get fired, it's probably not the end of the world because you're, you you're know, a spy. You're, you're already <laughs> employed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Wild. Now, so North Korea, when did they first start realizing that kind of crypto could be a meaningful Revenue generator
2: for them. It's difficult to peg that to a specific date, but some of the conversations that we've had indicate that this would have happened probably four or five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. You might remember the Bangladesh Bank heist. Um, there was a number of financial, big financial hacks. They tried to steal a billion dollars from the Bangladesh Bank, um, Central Bank, via the SWIFT network. Mm-hmm. Bangladesh the Central Bank, which is pretty vulnerable to a, hi- a cyber attack, has been attacked. It is a murky story, and it's a murky story about vulnerability and it's about cyber. Two sort of transactions. The first one was about 81 million U.S. dollars. There was another attempted transaction, nearly a billion dollars. People look at this and they think this is very, very shady indeed. That was kind of a big watershed moment in the world of financial security. A lot of banks started to kind of improve the way that they were verifying that users are who they say they are. So. Right around that time is when cryptocurrency started to become more real. Last year, we know, according to analysis, for instance, um, some of these North Korean hackers were involved in like seven hacks. We've already seen that, you know, significantly more and raising more money in the first half of of 2022.
1: So, you know, you say they're they're raising even more money in this year. Like, what are the sums that we're talking about?
2: According to public uh, charges, at least uh, the Lazarus Group, which is uh, North Korea's state sponsored hacking organization. Took as much as 600 million dollars in the hack on Axie Infinity in March. That's already significantly more than they uh, are accused of stealing last year, which was 400 million dollars. Um, and there, have only been more incidents since then. Uh, the blockchain company Harmony said in June, attackers stole an additional 100 million dollars. And um, there's a Nomad breach, which is still under investigation, but attackers stole 190 million from Bridge Protocol tool there. So. Again, it's hard to pin it down to a specific figure, but it's, it's significantly that's more a lot, than yeah. we've seen. Yeah. That's,
1: that's a lot of money. And all of those are hacks that were big enough for you know us to cover them here at Bloomberg. So there are certainly things that we are paying attention to. Well, what I'm getting from you is it sounds like the North Korean hackers are good at their jobs. Sure. Let's talk about the people who seem to need to be better at their jobs. Like I'm a recruiter. Why am I getting spoofed <laughs> by somebody with a fake resume? Like what's going on?
2: It's hard to find people. It's, it just, you know, this is not a problem that's limited to crypto we know this is happening in other industries the technology industry software development but crypto specifically is is really being targeted i think that it's also as they are trying to find the right people um you do have to take steps to be more flexible in terms of allowing remote work for instance or
1: i was going to say like are these folks flying from north korea to no, the us
2: not that we're aware of but you know there is a small number of people who have these skills, as you know, and um, as they as they try to find the right people, you kind of need to make certain allowances. Maybe someone doesn't sound quite right on the phone, but hey, they have this this skill and they're willing to take this salary for um, X number of dollars, and we can't find anybody else to do it.
1: So okay, I'm a recruiter. I'm stressed. I'm busy. I have some CEO being like, hire more people. I'm hiring more people. Fine. Humans make mistakes. But the thing that seems bigger to me is the fact that these, as you describe them, crypto bridges, which you can think of as like protocols that let you move crypto from one thing to another thing. And, you know, a highly simplified version of what's going on. These things get hacked a lot <laughs> for a lot of money, fairly frequently. And that's before you get to the other like completely run of the mill scams like phishing sure. or spoofing. As an As an industry, is crypto getting better at its security practices from like your perspective as someone who's covered this more broadly?
2: From my perspective, it is not. <laughs> I, I would, <laughs> candidly, I, would just, I we talked about the Bangladesh bank heist a few years ago. There was a number of big financial hacks. I would expect personally this first six months of this year to really be kind of, you know, no industry can stand to lose X number of billion dollars it's quite, in, it's embarrassing. In a year. It's, it's embarrassing. It creates, you know, there's The issues that have to do with trust, which obviously has so much of um, the root of of this industry. So to lose so much money so quickly, we know that real people are are really losing a significant amount of cash. And we're we're hearing candidly from people who are trying to get more into crypto and see it as a investment opportunity and something cool and new and interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to know the difference between scams and real services because... Mm -hmm the names. And, you know, it's it's just really scary to hear about these massive dollar figures.
1: Yeah. And this is this is an industry that loves to say, you know, do your own research. Sure. But it sounds like even the people who are doing their research are still getting into trouble. Is there is there kind of a degree of sophistication that's being deployed against these companies or is it, you know, much more run of the mill?
2: It, it is. It is as run of the mill as a typical email scam that you might have seen against a bank um, a few years ago. Uh, we previously have have written about some instances where these crypto scammers would hijack Twitter accounts, for instance. Mm-hmm. Those Twitter accounts would be, often be verified. They would belong to real people.
1: And often like heads of state, yes. you know, very specific people on the Internet. Yep.
2: Great example. They are soliciting donations. They are raising a ton of money in a very short amount of time, even before those crypto scams are removed from Twitter right. so you know I think there' was some board ape activity earlier this year that was fraudulent or
1: yeah the board ape Instagram got hacked because of you know probably like social engineering somebody right. clicked on a link they shouldn't have clicked on social
2: engineering is not complicated stuff it's it's sending a fake text message that looks real that tricks the wrong person into providing their username and password you only need to do it Successfully once in order to make a lot of money.
1: So you know, as an example of that, I get constant text messages like pretending to be, "This is Chase, and you need to change your password." And here's this really skeptical-looking link that you sure. should click on and give us all your information. But it can also be, you know, somebody calling someone up and saying, "Hey, I, I work here, and I've locked myself out of my password. Right. Can you help me reset it?" That seems to happen. We've also y'all have also been reporting on things like SIM swapping, sure, which sounds fun. What like what does that mean exactly?
2: Well, SIM swapping is endlessly fascinating. Similarly, <laughs> broadly defined, um, it it involves you losing control of your phone number. Mm-hmm. So if you have your forgot password set up so that if you can't remember your credentials, it will send a text. It will send a text to your phone. If someone identifies you as a particularly valuable target, mm-hmm. they will call the phone company There have been public charges, for instance, of crypto scammers or SIM swappers, I should say, bribing customer service employees at uh, cell providers. AT&T had a major problem with this a few years ago. There have been a number of indictments against former AT&T employees. They're not paid a lot of money when they're working in a retail store. It is as simple as bribing a retail employee to um, make this change to someone's phone account. You take over their number. You then have access to their passwords.
1: So anybody who's texting me... Whether that is, you know, my Gmail reset or like my friends in the group text. Right. That's all going to somebody else's phone.
2: It's that's correct. You can't access your phone at all. You can't access any of your apps or your accounts. I should say that's not a problem with crypto necessarily. It's a problem with the way that users are authenticated. Typically in the United States this is not a problem as much elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But the way that our phone numbers have become
0: like Almost, a social security card. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. they,
2: they are super important. And that, that is a real vulnerability that people are learning to exploit and make a lot of money rapidly.
1: We'll be right back with more from Bloomberg reporter Jeff Stone on the threat of North Korea and crypto.
0: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Is there
1: anything that has proven effective against these crypto hackers and scammers, especially the North Korean groups?
2: The problem with trying to stop some of these attacks and these campaigns is they are developing as quickly as this technology. Mm. Some of the conversations that we had recently with folks from mandiant for instance indicated that no longer are these hackers just targeting end users they're no longer just targeting the exchanges they are now trying to get jobs with these bridge services for instance and and get uh an edge into um, some of the changes to ethereum that might be coming up so i don't think there is any silver bullet to solving these issues Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of constant diligence and really i think adopting the mentality that you are vulnerable and, and people are trying to get in there in ways that maybe you didn't expect. I know that's not super helpful, but it's what we're seeing.
1: Well, certainly one of the other things that we're starting to see is that the U.S. government is really cracking down. You know, the recently the U.S. Treasury Department issued sanctions right. on something called a crypto mixer. And if if you think about what a crypto mixer is, it's Imagine you have, you know, some Bitcoin, some Ethereum, some Shiba Inu, some Doge, and you want to, shall we say, obscure the origin of those various bits of of currency and where you got them from. You would put them into a mixer, which effectively like anonymizes those transactions and spits out something that's a little bit harder to trace. You can imagine that services like that might be very attractive to, say, North Korean hackers. (laughs) Right. And so what, what, what has the U.S. Treasury Department been
2: trying to do with these services? They're trying to stop North Korean hackers from using them in whatever way they, that they can. What's particularly interesting about this is the way that these mixing services have become kind of an extension. Not in every case. In some cases, according to the U.S. government, though, they've become an extension of this larger um, cybercrime issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we have saw as recently as, as earlier this year. Uh, allegations that a different mixing service was used, particularly for ransomware. So um, it's not only this kind of large scale crypto theft. It's when something is taken via extortion, they can, you know, kind of run it through some of these um, mixing services to kind of hide their activity in a more effective way.
1: And of course, the goal of that is to make it harder to trace those funds and ever get them back for the people who have been scammed or hacked or extorted. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, pretty much an arms race. It is.
2: It very much is an arms race. It's very interesting. And the U.S. government, look, I I don't think a few years ago, um, I'll speak for myself, I didn't expect the United States to move as quickly as they have in terms of trying to combat some of this stuff. Um, We've seen some really big seizures over the past year or so that um, not long ago would have been uh, obviously significantly more difficult. We know they're trying to staff up Mm -hmm. very rapidly.
1: Is there anything else... That has surprised you other than perhaps the the size and frequency of these hacks like you as a reporter in cybersecurity suddenly now having to get up to speed on what a bridge is and what a mixer
2: is yes (laughs) that has been that thank you for pointing that out that's been (laughs) extremely surprising to me i didn't expect that but the way that these suspected north korean hackers are attuned to the culture of not only western culture and the u.s but really like silicon valley there Mm -hmm. was there was research that came out from google um not long ago uh, indicating that that this group the lazarus group this is the same group that carried out the bangladesh bank heist the same group that targeted sony pictures years ago and released all of those emails and um, inspired a condemnation from uh, former president obama the same group is now like creating fake versions of Indeed.com, creating fake versions of a Disney careers page. And they're using those in really targeted espionage operations to get a little bit of information from a very small specific set of targets. Hmm. And it works. So that is really, um, you know, this is crime and this this is geopolitics and there's a lot of ugliness to this and obviously the North Korean government being what it is. But... Some of these tactics are really innovative. I mean, they're very impressive and very, they're, they're, they are surprising.
1: No wonder they are getting hired by crypto companies. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it's not a joke. It's, it's a true
1: story. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm such a fan.
1: You can find more of Jeff Stone's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, on Bloomberg.com, or follow him on Twitter. He's at Jeff Stone 500 on the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto. Cars, especially luxury cars, have always been a marker of wealth. But for many crypto investors, no single car has driven so much interest as the Lamborghini. To better understand how the Lambo came to be one of the most visible status symbols in crypto, I'll be joined by Bloomberg reporter Hannah Miller and crypto venture capitalist Peter Saddington. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at Crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Shannon Barrero. Associate producer is Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.